This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. You know, it's commonly accepted that everything we do in life has some kind of a consequence to it. Why, for example, you get in your car, driving down the interstate, about 20 miles over the speed limit. Here comes a man behind you with a light on. You find out there's a consequence. You, you know, when you live for Jesus, there are certain conditions that exist, and sometimes there are certain consequences of that. Today we're going to talk about risen with Christ, risen with Jesus Christ. Please stay tuned as we discuss that topic today. Hello, I'm Billy Lambert, and I, I want to welcome you today to Getting to Know Your Bible. This is a program that's dedicated to preaching the Bible. And today we want to continue to offer a free Bible correspondence course. And some might wonder, why do we do that and offer it free? Because as the title of this program and the name of this program suggests, we're trying to help people get to know their Bibles, getting to know your Bible. So in order that you might know more about this free Bible course and how you can receive it, we're going to take a brief pause. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. In Colossians, the third chapter, beginning in the first verse, Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned these words. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, and not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. Out of that reading, I would like to lift out these words. If you then be risen with Christ. Risen with Christ. You know, everything that really matters in life, and even in death, depends upon our relationship to Jesus Christ. And in our text, Paul says, if you then be risen with Christ, and then in this chapter are suggested some things that are evident 
if we're risen with Christ. That is, there are certain conditions that exist, and there are certain consequences if an individual is truly risen with Christ. Now, here, here's one of the observations I'd like to make from the text. And that is, if you're risen with Christ, your focus now is not on things that pertain to this world only, but our focus is on things that are above. Listen to the verse again. If you're risen with Christ, seek those things where, which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. So you see, if we're risen with Christ, our focus is upward rather than downward. Where is your focus today? Have you ever thought about that, where your focus really is? Are you thinking mostly about things that are down here on this earth? Are you thinking about what lies beyond? Things that, are, that transcend time into eternity. You know, that, that's a difficult thing for some people to do. They, they're not thinking about what's next. I, I think about a man of whom we read in Luke, the 12th chapter. He, he's described as being a very rich farmer. He, he was so rich that, that he had such a, a bumper crop that year. He said, I don't have any room where to bestow or to store my goods. He said, now this is what I'm going to do. I just pull down all the barns that I have. And I'll go into the barn building business. I'll build bigger and better barns. And that's where I'll put all of my goods and all of my produce. And so the Lord came to him and he said, Thou fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then who will those things be which you provided? And he said, the Lord said, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. This man made a lot of blunders in his life. Well, one, one of the mistakes that he made was, was in leaving God out of his life. He talked about my fruits, my goods, my barns, my soul. He even talked about my soul. And he talked to himself and he said, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take, and, uh, take your ease. But he made a mistake in leaving God out of his life. You know it's the case. That a lot of people are traveling down that same road that he trod. Leaving God out of their lives. No place for God. I believe that God constructed man with a place in his heart for God. And there's nothing else that can take the place of God. We can put, try to put other things in that place in our lives, but it does not bring peace, happiness, nor satisfaction. And this man made that mistake in thinking that all there was to life is what he could grow, what he could store up, what he could have for himself. He left God out of his life. 
Could, could I be just a little bit personal? Where is God in your life today? Does he have a place? This man made another mistake. This man thought that, that he could store up things in a barn and that satisfaction would come from all the different things that he could store up in a barn. You know, a lot of people feel that way today. Oh, maybe they're not building barns or growing crops, but there's, there's hurrying and scurrying here and there trying to store up all the earthly goods they can. But in the final analysis, we're going to find out what this man found out. Life without God is vain. The man made another mistake. He thought that he had a, you know, a perpetual lease on life. He thought he was going to live a long, long time. He, he said to himself, now you store up goods for many years. He thought he was going to live a long time. And the Lord said, no, tonight your soul is going to be required of you. There's going to be a day that the soul of Billy Lambert will leave this old body of clay. The same is for all of us. And the fact is, like this man, we're going to leave this old body probably suddenly, maybe before we had planned it, He did. You see, a lot of people are not looking up. But the fact is, if you're risen with Jesus Christ, you're thinking about the life that is to come. I read a story once about some men who were working in a rock quarry. This was in England. And it sounds as though from the story that it was a rather dangerous job because they would be on one side of a, of a precipice or an opening and there was a walkway from one side of that opening to the other. And on one side of that opening, they would fill their wheelbarrows filled with rock. And it was their responsibility to roll that wheelbarrow across that plank to the other side. And there would be a man standing on the other side urging them on by saying, Don't look down. Keep your eyes on where you're going. You see, when you're risen with Christ, that's exactly what we're doing. We're not just looking down to this old world, but we're look, looking to that which is before us. You know, if a person is risen with Jesus Christ, he lives a crucified life. That might sound strange. What do you think of when you think of crucifixion? Well, someone says, well, I think of death. I think of the death of Jesus uh, when we uh, think of death. Well, if you're risen with Christ, that's exactly the kind of life you live. For example, in Galatians 2 and 20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live with the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
But then in Galatians 5, 24, they that are Christ, that is, those who belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. Now look at verse 5 in Colossians chapter 3. Mortify means simply meaning put to death. Therefore your members which are upon the earth. That is, when we are risen with Christ, we have crucified the flesh with its affections and lust. We live a crucified life. And when we live that kind of a life, there are certain things that we put aside and there are certain characteristics that we take on in our lives. Now notice the text. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, and here's some of the things that you, that you put to death, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walk sometime, when you lived in them. There's a time that these people in Colossia and the Colossians lived that kind of a life, but now they were walking risen with Christ. And he said, But now also put off all of these, put these things aside anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds. So you take off the old man. Well, after you take off that old man of sin and lay that aside, what do you do? You put on a new person. Listen to verse 10. And have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge after the, him that, uh, in the, after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. You see, when you put on that new man, Jesus is your everything. And he said, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels or a heart of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against him, as Christ forgave you, so also do you. And then he closes in verse 14 by saying, And above all of these things, put on love or charity, which is the bond of perfectness. You see, when we are risen with Christ, we live that kind of a life. Everything about my life ought to be a life risen with Christ. We, we, our speech our dress, our attitudes ought to be an attitude com comparable and a complement of our saying, I am risen with the Lord Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12, Paul wrote, Buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him, through the faith of the operation of God, who has raised Him up from the dead. So you see, if you're risen with Christ, guess what? It's because you have been baptized. Baptized into Jesus Christ. Now, 
Baptism requires certain things. For example, Bible baptism requires water. It requires water. In the 10th chapter of Acts, it was Cornelius who asked this question, Can any man forbid water that these, that is the household of Cornelius, could not be baptized as well as we? So it takes water. It also takes a lot of water, much water. In John 3, 23, there was bab uh, John's baptizing in, in, in Jordan near unto Salem because there was what? Much water there, lots of water. It also requires a coming to the water. In Acts the 8th chapter, Philip is teaching the man from Ethiopia, and they're riding along in the Ethiopian's chariot, and the Ethiopian said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? So he came to the water. That baptism requires a going down into the water. It says, And they went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So it requires a going into the water. But Bible baptism requires a going under the water, that is, being buried in, in water. Go back to Colossians 2.12, buried with Him in baptism, wherein also you're risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God. So baptism is a burial. It is not sprinkling. It is not pouring. It, it, it is a burial in water, an immersion in water. And so baptism also requires a coming up out of the water. Going back to Acts 8th chapter, when Philip baptized the man from Ethiopia, the text says, And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called Philip away, that the eunuch saw him no more. So those are some of the things that are required in baptism. But why should a person be baptized? It's not because it is Billy's teaching. No, no, no. It is not because... Uh, someone's put pressure on you. No, no, no. It's not because there's some kind of a magical power in the water. Friends, water is just water. I've known of people being baptized in the ocean. I've baptized people in a river. I've baptized people in a spa. Water is, I've even baptized people in a swimming pool. So water is just water. And so it just requires a person who is willing to surrender their life to Christ and to be baptized. And the reason for it is this, He that believeth one, is baptized two, shall be saved, number three. Someone says, well, you know, that's just your interpretation. That, that reminds me of a, of a conversation I had with a man once. A friend of mine invited me to go to lunch with him, and we were going to an oyster bar downtown Mobile, Alabama. I didn't know that his boss was going with us. And when I went down to the office to, to be with my friend, he introduced me to his boss. He said, he's going with us. So I got in the back seat. And as, about the time that I closed the back door, his boss began to tell me over and over and over why you didn't have to be baptized for the remission of your sins. That is, that it wasn't essential. So I just listened, kindly listened. We got to the oyster house, Wenzel's Oyster House downtown Mobile, on Dolphin Street, and, and a very famous place. And he just kept talking and telling me that, telling me over and over and over again why you didn't have to be baptized. We sat down to eat, and I ordered, uh, I'll never forget it, I know what I ordered that day. Uh, I ordered uh, 
a po' boy, oyster po' boy. I don't think I've had one since then. Uh, And he just kept talking. So I took out a pencil, took out a pen, and then I I got a napkin off the table there in front of us, and I said, I want to write down two sentences. And I want you to tell me the, which one of these two sentences you think is true. I said, sentence number one, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. I said, sentence number two, he who believes and is saved shall be baptized. That's what he had been telling me, you see. That you believe and you're saved and be baptized later if you want to. I said, I know this is difficult. I said, I know this is hard. So let's go over it one more time. Statement number one. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Statement number two. He who believes and is saved shall be baptized. So I turned the napkin around where he could see it. I handed him the pen, or at least I attempted to. I said, would you mind checking the one, the, which one of those sentences you believe is true? He said, well, I believe that sentence number one is a more correct rendering of the verse. I said, no, sir. It is not a correct rendering of the verse. It is the verse. It's just exactly what Jesus said. When we're risen with Christ, it's because we've had the faith that we believe that Jesus is Son of God. I have repented of my sins. I've been willing to acknowledge Jesus as being the Son of God before men. And I'm baptized because Jesus said so. Because He said so. Not because some group of religious people said so. Not not because it's in some book that we're to follow that it says we must. I do it because Jesus said so. He that believeth is baptized shall be saved. And when we do that, it can be said I have been, I am now risen with Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? If you're risen with Jesus Christ, your your focus, your main focus is on Jesus. I, I think sometimes that our world is completely out of focus. I've talked to a lot of people, a lots of people, who believe there's something missing in our world today, especially in America. Our focus is not where it ought to be. And we need to focus ourselves on Christ. Paul in this chapter says Christ is all and in all. I believe that every life has to have a center, a point of reference in that life. I remember going to see a woman one night. She was in a home where she, for, they dealt with people who had emotional problems. And I was called about midnight to come down there and try to talk to her. They had just learned that her father was in the hospital 
and he was about to die. And they just thought that she'll go all to pieces when they tell her this happened. So I asked for permission to speak to her privately. And I told her, I said, your daddy had Jesus in his life. Jesus Christ meant everything to your father. And when you have Christ as the heart, the core, and center of your life, you can lean on Him regardless of what happens. I've never professed to be a counselor, but I believe that was good advice to her. Well, I sat there when they, were com- they came in to tell her that her father just died. And they actually had something ready to give her an injection. And when they told her, we hate to tell you, but your father just passed away. She smiled, and she was just as calm as she could be. You see, we we prayed together. And she had something going for her that a lot of people didn't have going for them. And she had a, a center in her life, a core in her life. Paul had that. In Philippians 1.21, he said, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Let me ask you a question. What does Jesus mean to you? Is He your all and in all? Is He your everything? When you get down to the basics of life, forget about how much money you earn, the car you drive, a house in which you live, the friends that you have. Forget the partying that you may do on the weekends. When you really get down and you stare the end in, in the eye, you want Jesus in your life. And I'd urge you to give your life to Christ today by believing on Him, by repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Him, and let some servant of God immerse you into Christ If you're not certain what to do, call us, write us, email us, and we'll make arrangement for someone to do that for you. We do it all of the time. Please, please, let Christ be your everything. I want to thank you for watching today, and then may God bless you is my fervent prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God you can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580.
or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.